Welcome to another episode of the Top Lines and Tales podcast and our series looking at characters in livestock. And uh, we are this week once again sponsored by Harbro, suppliers and manufacturers of quality livestock nutrition. Characters in Livestock covers a few bases and usually we're looking at some oldies with a long history in breeding and generally entertaining folk but uh, this week we pick a younger model and uh, a man who's always entertained and uh, but also a great breeder and a good kenner of stock and an all-round uh, good guy and piss taker, Di Clark. Welcome Di. Hi Andy. Di, I hope Thank you're ready, ready for this. You may be borrowing a little bit of injustice from uh, from some of your pals there and there might be a a few payback days, but uh, it's, it's your day on the floor today. I'm more worried the fact that you call me a model. I don't think I've ever been a model. Maybe <laughs> a model football, maybe, is the only thing I've ever been referred to. <laughs> oh, well, Chris, if everybody models themselves on day, would be an interesting world, eh, don't? Yeah, that's true, yes, I. Dai, just going back to your family, your old man was in dairy originally, is that right, dairy farm at Gangower? Yeah, he started milking dairy cows at Gangower in the 1989, when we split up with, from Uncle Archie Woodlands. So, started milking dairy cows then. But would be involved in Texels before that, the name of Gangower, of course, for those that don't know you, Di, is is uh, up there with you know the best in, in the in the Texel breed. And you, you say your old man started with it with the Gangower flock going back in the early days, I would have thought, when some of the first Texels came into the country. Yeah, Dad was one of the first, I think he was nearly teen numbers, he was way back through Jock McGregor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jock was the first one who got him back. And I mean, Dad always saying he nearly got killed with his mother when he spent, it was, oh, I can't mind exactly what it was. It was about four or 500 quid for these two gimmers that come home. <laughs> Selected picked, and then it went back. They sold their first Sheeran Tuck for about 800 quid the first year at Woodlands. Well, they were at Woodlands first. And but, they were in blondes at the same time. But so, so Woodlands would have been the flock then originally before before you started the Garn Gower. Yeah, Woodlands was a flock till 1989 when my dad and Uncle Archie split up. How far back do you remember with those uh, those Texels, Di? You, you'd be you'd be a boy when when uh, you got the first ones in there. Yeah, I might have been in a top elite uptown dancer that we bought, and we sold Garngur Whisk Kid at four thousand to Ruth that used to be at Carlisle. She used to be with sticks. Oh, my memory's terrible. <laughs> you wait till you get bought, to my age. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's a good 30 years ago yet then. <laughs> Get on you. No, we've sold for, I mean, who's kidding in out that? Can he follow through, really? I remember you being about the top sales anyway as a, as a, as a young teenager about there and being keen as mustard and being in and amongst it and causing mischief anyway. And, uh, hey, he's probably still doing it. Yeah, just know the same crack now. The textile sales know the old market when you used to get in there and Jim Curry was there and Dad and Uncle Archie and I. Probably okay. Carruth and that, they were all sitting on the drink they used to get in, me and Jock Curry were wee boys and got in our dads and much a pound off them and Jim Curry used to give us a oh, nice change and say, right, fuck off you wee cunts. <laughs> and then the next year later you were probably out buying a drink and trying to get and getting pushed as like the rest of them. Yeah, it's called growing up day. I'm not sure I'm not sure if any of us have done it fully, but uh, that's what it's called. I remember do you 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 were maybe there when Caroline Curry was born at the Texels. Right. Sale at the old market, and it was the second sale. And Jim Curry had the head wet in it, and there was Fletch was there, and Dan Douglas, and they wrote a poem, and it came, came on the lines of Dan Douglas Curry grabbed the ugly bastard and hit him with a plate. 
Ken McFlex wrote it. That's really, really funny when you read it again. And just going to yourself, you're the youngest, I think, of three brothers. Would that be right? To Andrew and yes. Alan, your two brothers? Yeah, there's five years between me and Alan and three years between me and Andrew. There's 76, 78 and 81. And, of course, now moving on, the three of you have... Uh, I think you three of you got a flock of Texels each, haven't you? So, uh, Garngo is still going, there's Teaglum and there's Clarks, and I don't know who belongs to Hoots, who and which ones. Yeah, uh, Alan's in Garngower, Andrew is in Teaglum at Black Hill, and I'm in Clarks at Lee Meadow Farm at Braidwood at Kerluk here, which was the Clarks flock was established in 2017, so, and we've just kind of all the flocks are run together until basically we split up a year coming 1st of June. So to do that, we basically all worked together and we did do a lot of flushing. We had two big days of flushing all the best ewes over two days and then done the best ewe lambs and some of the ewes again the next time uh-huh. in March. So that's how we kind of got ourselves established on flocks that we have three and we sure And then last year was the first year that we actually bought tops ourselves. You pulled the flocks, flushed the ewes, and divvied them up three ways, about right? Yeah. We put the ewes into pens. We take the ewes once you're all kind of decided, once we're all happy with our flushes, ewe lambs at lamped in your back, and basically 20 were your ewe lambs, and 21 was the same. And then basically we went back with the ewes. We put them all into pens once we sold the gammers, and you're basically right, we all have to pick three numbers each that we want at first, and if none of the other two picked it, you got it. Okay. So we just the three were just stood in the pens one day and we sorted your use it and sometimes one as we go, well actually I've got I, I got my first two picks where somebody can get hard and you just we work, actually worked very well. There wasn't surprised there was no arguments or no fights, but you're just <laughs> you have to be reasonable, you have to come and go with each other. Yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. And yeah, that's again a grown grown up way of looking at it, but I mean you've got a lot of good use to pick from from yeah, from certainly from the Early flocks, anyway, and, and and obviously a lot of history behind you. We'll go into a little bit more of your Texel um, successes in in a, in a minute or two. But I will ask you one question: Which is the best flock out of the three of them? Oh, that goes without a doubt, Clark. <laughs> <laughs> you got the floor there. You can you can say what you like, Dave. You never know; I might get your brothers on another podcast. Sometimes and... it makes them bite and bite me. That really, <laughs> I don't think there's much in it. To be honest, no. there's no much in it. We all can get the same flocks within reason. I do Tegan did do well in the flock competition. I done well in the new lambs. Alan was the same. So to be honest, I think it's just somebody else's preference who's got the best. Sure. This is when you have to try and make it yourself, isn't it? That's true enough. You got to make it on your own, and, and uh, but at, at the same time look after each other too. And that's uh, that's families, isn't it? And between you and your brothers, uh, you guys have broken the the, the record at Lanark. Uh, how many times now, David? You know? No, we haven't actually broke it. We've held the top price. We've bred sons. Our sons of tops that we have sold have broke the record. There was Sportsman's a star at 130,000. Mm-hmm. There was a Teagum Young Gun son, and then there was Radar was a Teagum Young Gun son, and he was a hundred double check that Andy, but he was 130,000. So we haven't actually held the record. We've, we've topped Lanark a few times, topped the right back in 1999, I think was the first year with Gangar Field Marshal, which was a Gangar Elite son that we kept, and we had an open day that year. And everybody came and made rain rash of our lambs and everybody raved about this duck lamb. And I think that was the problem. We got ourselves hyped up. Uh-huh. Hype wasted the lamb and probably wasted us. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people said, oh, we really like your lamb. Didn't he come in the ring? He was going to make a serious lot of money. And he was in the ring 
and David Houghton, the top hill bomb at six and a half thousand, shared them with big Danny Fileman, and Dad kept a share them, and he bred field marshal next year at fourteen thousand. It just goes to show it isn't always the dear ones that breed. As you said, there's, there's a bit of a lesson there to be learnt, uh, Di, when you do hyper beast up there that uh, that everybody thinks that one's out of my price bracket and they and they start looking somewhere else. It's, it's uh, yeah, You learn those lessons in the hard way, I guess. Oh, Dad always said, if you like someone, you fall it to the ring and try and buy it and go to your price. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, yeah, with regards to the shows, yeah, you guys obviously turn out at the Highland every year. There, you've had your, fa- your your share of winnings there, and the Yorkshire too. I think you guys give it a go. So, where, where's your where's your top spin at the at the Highland show over the years? The best year was the year of Teagle Young Gun's mum. She won the Gamers third and Interbreed. Sorry, Raw Highland. Oh, it's the singles then, in the singles, huh? Singles, yes. And then she went to the the Yorkshire and she won everything. Yeah, she won Interbreed. She smashed it. Uh-huh. And she has bred on that same year. We sold Tegum Young Gun at 70,000 and he went to Sportsman's and Proctor's and Sportsman sold Sportsman's a star the next year at 120,000. Yeah. So and then it was Radar the following year. Okay. Radar, which is 130,000. No, we've won two or three ULAM classes and worked away, but that's the first year we've really won the Gimmers and mm-hmm. done well. The game is always the class to win, isn't it? And again, for our listeners who no idea what we're talking about here in the Texels, uh, some of the guys and guys overseas. I mean, the Texel class in in the at the Highland, there'll be what a hundred and best part of a hundred gimmers in it, won't it? It's a it's a mm-hmm. hell of a class. It's probably the top, the biggest class probably in the show in in, in the country, and probably not in, in the U lambs. I would say the U lambs are maybe bigger, but I it's some class to win. Yeah, yeah. Even to be placed. I know that for my own my own gains. I've taken Texels to the Highland and. Come away with a come away in a short lead and being happy with nothing, there's nothing else to show for it. But uh, yeah, that's where you that's where you get to aspire to, isn't it? That's that's the class, the gimmer class that everybody wants to get into. Yeah. And and we talked about uh, flushing there, and you guys obviously flushed a lot of use when you're trying to build your your female flocks back up there, as as most breeders do. But there's a lot of flushing going on now to breed tops rather than to breed to breed females. I mean, the flushing originally was about building your females up. How, how do you feel about it now that we're all, that everybody's flushing just to breed tips to make money? I think it's getting to the stage, definitely the Texel breed, that you're going to just run a small flock of 15, 20 ewes. You're going to try and flush that 10, 15, and I think that's the way it's going. You're flushing new lambs. I know it's not right. I'm not saying it is, but at the end of the day, you're trying to get that generation further forward than everybody else. And when everybody's doing it, everybody's doing it, I suppose. And I mean, I, I had a great conversation last night with Keith Jamieson, you know, the legend that is Keith. And uh, he was, he got a few ideas about that anyway, saying that maybe flushing new lambs isn't, isn't right because they haven't bred and flushing some of the ewes that maybe hadn't got, they had, they, they weren't full of milk or maybe got a blind quarter and, and, and still being flushed. And that was being passed down the generation and, and, and other ideas about it as well. As you said, it's maybe not right, but everybody's going to do. Do you see that carrying on? I don't actually think flushing well much. When you speak to some of these flushing people, they're saying if you get 10 years of the animal right, people that are holding us, flushing could be stopped. It's a wake-up call for us to go back to try to lamb these Texel ewes and try and bring us natural ewe, which what the Texel was brought in for, wasn't it? The maternal sire to give us good cross ewe that can nurse two lambs and bring her back through to certainly is that that conversation i'm not so sure where the animal rights but it certainly is that conversation when your your, your top lambs are all being reared on surrogate mothers of surrogate mules that are enough milk to feed for you four lambs and 
They're only rearing one, and, and then they're getting weight performance figures from that. It's uh, it, it's an interesting conundrum, and I think a few other breeds are going into it because the money that's in the Texels, I guess, it's uh, it's one that's raising an eyebrow with one or two, and, and uh, as you said, the small flocks when there's only a dozen sheep and you're turning out 100 lambs a year is um, it's different. And it's, I would say that it's getting very difficult to sell Texel top lambs now because everybody's got them. So you go... They rank at the moment, you're sitting just under 80 lambs running. They're running 50, so there's 40 lambs. Mm-hmm. There's the ones that aren't good enough, you're just going to chart, hang them up. So they've been expensive lamb to get there. And then you go to Lanark, we've only got 80 U's, so you only get 30 A3 top lambs to Lanark. You get 40 Carlisle. You can, I, we can go down to Worcester, but Worcester's a five, six hour drive for us mm-hmm. to get down to Worcester. Wales is the same, and I'm only going to get three there and three there. Is it justifiable for me to travel around all these sales every day, time, and the cost to be fuel as at the moment? And then of Kelso, I can take as many as I want to Kelso. For reason, and I think it's getting very difficult now to go and sell that. That you that's flush well, she's got five, five or six lambs, and they're all good. They're, one's good, and the rest are shite. You know what? And them scattered in the countryside. Well, again, the conversation I had with the Texas breeder this week was. was uh... That when you do sell that good one as well at that top price, um, and you've got you go to go to Lanark and want to buy the sheep and it makes sixty thousand, and and but you can go to another sale and buy its full brother for for three thousand, and uh, as as Keith said, you know that that's uh, maybe that's the one that breeds, you know that's uh, it does dilute the gene pool a little bit to make it harder and harder for folks to buy to buy outcrosses and and spend a lot of money on on one sheep when there's a lot of similar sheep running about. Well, you look at Mures Blondin. Mm-hmm. Now, I remember Mures Blondin. I think that's one of the best Texel tips I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Now, Mures Blondin was before his time, and he was 33,000 to John Forsyth at Glenside. And I think he was a triplet, and his brother went to another sale, and John Forsyth bought him for three grand, just to make sure nobody else had that reading. And you can see, John, I remember 2012, the year we lost father, we sold the Teaglum Tornado to Robbie Wilson for 60000 But we had about four or five other brothers of them. Mm-hmm. And Robert Laird de Camwell and that, they bought one of his brothers at Worcester. And, and everybody goes, oh, this is another brother, this is another brother. And they're like, oh, well, we can get the same breeding mm-hmm. without doing it, really. Not I'm saying, hey, we're not. I'm not making an argument here. It's on the floor is yours, uh, Di. But it certainly is a, a, a bit of a a bit of a backlash to uh, to the amount of sheep that are being flushed now. As you say, when you've got a dozen ewes and, and you're turning out fifty, sixty lambs uh, year on year, it's uh, if they're not all profitable, then the job isn't so easy. No, and that's a very costly. You've got this cross you nursing one lamb, mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. But she could have been nursing two, and I, the cross the pure lamb could go and be five or six thousand. Mm-hmm. But you're, if it's just a killing lamb, it's 150 quid. Like she could have nursed two a month later with less feeding, less hassle. Yeah, true. I'm not against it. I'm meaning to do it, but still flush. We're meaning to flush a few more this year and not do any new lambs. Last year, new lambs averaged three. Don't get wrong, up some tremendous lambs out of them, mm-hmm. but it's probably better just going this. Flushing the Texels in it in February, having these lambs and then have nothing else, and then straight on the crossbreeds. Because we started lambing, we started lambing the tenth of February, and we're still bloody lambing yet, and that's nearly me. And what what you lambing? Just mainly cross use the rest of them uh, day. 
My cross shoes are all my wife Elizabeth is in her true blues, and we've started crossing with Texel cross shoes with the true blue. Right, you can explain to me and the listener what the hell a true blue is. The posh type, the true blue face Lester before the start, the true blue face Lester. I'm not going into that too much. That could upset two or three people. No, you carry on. You just you just throw that. No, if some, you mention the word mule some, and blue face Lester in the same sentence, somebody will get upset, but I won't. Yeah, I know you won't, but I certainly a lot of abuse getting going back. <laughs> but I definitely want them went to breed this, the crossing type blue face Lester, mm-hmm. to try and get these nice brown face new lambs. And I, I must admit, there's nothing better as this blue, a brown faced mule ewe lamb running out the field, but she's not going to milk any better just because she's got a brown face. I'm saying nothing. Carry on. <laughs> Come on, Andy. <laughs> Carry on. You dig a hole. I'm not, I'm not helping you out of it. I, to be fair, I, 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 um, I commentated on the, the Crossing Blues at the Highland Show last year, and there was a, a, a Crossing Blue in there that was, she was a mule to type, but what a bit, you lamb that won it, and what a piece she was. And just the character about them, I have to say, was, was tremendously smart with those colours. They're a real showy beast, but uh, you're right. The, the, well, the true blue is is where it started. Yeah, so that's it. We cross, we cross. We're use we used about the dorset, and we did like the dorset, but they were just getting too big and too heavy for us. Okay, on the texel, on the texel, and they were, and me being a shearer, did cry when I had to count the buggers upside down and take the bellies off them and the legs and the socks and the nose and the head. So <laughs> they were just too big fit use. <laughs> I was going to ask you if you can come and share my Rylands this year. You're probably going to say no, then. <laughs> a trip to France. I've done worse for a glot of wine. <laughs> but, so you're now using the blue on the Texel, and, and uh, hey, that's that's a, a Texel mule, isn't it? And uh, and that's working well for you. What are you doing with the lambs out of those? With the lambs, I put them back to the Texel for the first year, keep the ewe lambs, mm-hmm. and then they go back to the Texel another year, and then their lambs go back to the blue. Okay. So we take them to nearly half or three quarters and then you put them back to the blue and just try and rotate them back for it don't bring in anything so we did try another breed this year and some of the blues that are maybe too blue uh-huh. much to my sins the breed that it is some people call them suffolks my daughter calls them duffocks <laughs> <laughs> so we've tried that and to be honest we did we use him I remember talking to Michael Weaver, him saying he was putting the blues on the Suffolk, and that's what they were using, and that was he said that was a tremendous cross. But they'd be big sheep, wouldn't they? They'd be they'd be take a bit of handling, I would have thought, to die. Yeah, I'm kind of worried how much feeding they might take mm-hmm. later on. We are kind of using them for the reset, to be honest, at the end of the day, as we were kind of trying heading for good, big, strong reset use. Sure. Everybody says these Suffolks are easy lambed, they're milky, and they're big, fat use, so rooms, and that is at the end of the day you're dreaming for us takes up top lamb, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I suppose so. And of course, the, yeah, again, it depends on the suffer that you get and where you buy your suffix from. And I won't get into that argument too uh, too deeply. Well, I'll give you that argument because I'm quite sure the wee fella, I love it because when I went through to Mr. John Bartley, a.k.a. Beachy, mm-hmm. we went through, when we were invited through, I was in a bell text up because fun enough, the last one died. <laughs> so Beachy says, come through, have a couple of lambs. <laughs> and I walked in and he does... The first thing caught my eye, I'm not seeing these bell takes for crap at the end of the day. <laughs> they had a really cocky, cocky, uh, cocky Suffolk lamb. And I think actually took Beachy by surprise. He nearly, did, nearly scaled his beer, I think, to be perfectly honest with you. 
So with a bottle of grey goose and discussed the price of the Bell Tech tap and the Suffolk. <laughs> and he did text me next morning saying, Did you buy a fucking Suffolk? <laughs> <clears throat> so that's how we tried bought a Suffolk lamb and put me for to use this year and the lambs are good. So you're putting him across the the the, the blue cross text, will that be right? Yeah, the ones that look more have took more of the blue look about them. Uh-huh. Okay. The longer, tighter skin, the right bare necked ones, put them over the Suffolk to try and get this wee bit mere cover on them. Interesting to see. And, and I, you, obviously you're experimenting again. People listening to this because Chris, this guy's going all over the place, but you're experimenting to find the right sheep that suits you and suits your, your way of, of production. Uh, and is there a goal plan here? Is there an end goal here? With, with You think you might end up with the right thing? I and mean, we've seen breeds develop from, from this before where you, you're crossing one with another one and then trying to stabilise it a bit? Or, or is this at the moment you're just trying to find out what suits? I think basically, as everybody says, oh, my breed of sheep's the best, that sheep's breed is the best. I think it's a lot of nonsense in my opinion. There is no ideal breed of sheep. It's just what suits your system mm-hmm. or what you want to make suit your system. And the textile obviously features, doesn't it? Because that's where you, yeah, that's, that's where you started. Remember, yeah. that's, that's where your bread and butter yeah. is, where you, where you, where you started from. But yes, I can see. It'd be interesting to see where you, at some stage. You say you're running what three hundred used dice, so ah, uh, just about three hundred cross shoes and plus the textiles. You'll, you'll end up back to to one specific type, I guess, at uh, at some stage. It's a trial and error. If it doesn't work, the tip lambs a lot of money. They just goes down the road, but it's trying to get this good roomy sheep. Supposing it's lambing an embryo is to lamb two big lambs that's going to nurse and kill the lambs at eight to ten weeks. Yeah, decent. Yeah, fair enough. So you're looking for yeah, it. At 40, 42 kilo mark, isn't it? Uh-huh. And the sheep that's still purpose to seat your system. That's fair enough. I, I mentioned uh, earlier on that I was I spoke to Keith Jamieson last night. He's in good shape, to be fair, and he was asking after you die, but he did say that he he said Margaret had marked every catalogue that had been in Lanark top sale since... Uh, since the Lanark top sale began, I think, and uh, they were all in there. And I said, I haven't got them at the moment. They're, they're with Dye Clark. So uh, are you looking after those? I am, and I'll tell you, take some reading. When you see some of the sales that Keith has sold in the past, it's phenomenal. Like his on-farm sales, he was averaging over 1,000 quid. I think he averaged 1,000 quid for... for Average a thousand quid, he said, for eighty texels in nineteen eighty-eight. But you're right, the Gimmer sales. I think in ninety-three, I think he averaged fourteen hundred and fifty quid for seventy Gimmers. It's phenomenal. It's unbelievable. I remember the first year we sold all our Gimmers was at sixty sixty odd Gimmers. The first year, the triple whammy sale. Mm-hmm. Now we bought near Muir Confetti and Glenside Clearcut. The year he used the tops, we tried to buy Creekhead Crackerjack. And we didn't get them. Mm-hmm. And we said, we average a thousand quid for 60 gamers. Mm-hmm. And we're like, this, this is not going to stand like that. And where are we now? You go to select seven sale, and most people are averaging 1,500 to two grand. Again, Keith going back into 93, you average 1,400 quid for 70 gamers. That's buying you a farm. Well, it's not buying you a farm, but it's certainly going towards a, It's paying the tax man anyway. It's crazy. <laughs> and look at the takes of gamers now, they're, they're mental. Is that going to carry on? Everybody's got Texas. I went out of Texas when Foot and Mouth took mine a long time ago, and uh, a lot of people still going into Texas, and a lot of people still wanting Texas, and you'll have as good a demand for for gimmers as you do for uh, for tups uh, die or, or between you anyway. There's there's still a hell of a demand for the best, isn't there? I think the good thing is gimmers are easy cashed in because there's not the work is into a gimmer as a tip lamb. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I don't creep any of my gamers. They don't get fed as you lambs. They come back, they go to winter. And luckily enough, they were at Keith Jimison's this year. They've come back looking good. Mm. And then you bring them in. We've got the spring flying sale on the 21st of May. Right. We've got four gamers going to that. And Kenneth, the gamers are averaging 800 quid. You're delighted, really. Mm-hmm. Kenneth, an early sale. The time you take them to select seven, they need to be hitting another nearly grand in their head. The time you get them there in lamb and fed them to that sale. I'll give you 500 a piece for them now, save you the, save for the work. I will risk it. <laughs> if I get to pick the ones you get for 500 quid, I'll send them over. <laughs> Not that it interests you, Dave, but I might be there before the that happens. <laughs> when we come and cheer the island, I'll bring them with me. <laughs> Do that. Do that. And uh, you've been amongst the Texans before we move on to what else you've done, of course. And uh, tell me some of the most influential tips that uh, that you've you've bought there. You mentioned a few that you've sold there. What's the... Blondin didn't come to you, obviously. You said you liked him, but what's the top that's coming in? But a stamp. No, Blondin, we did. We got Blondin. Blondin left tremendous big females. Mm-hmm. Tremendous females. It's a big stretch of lamb. Neither your confetti really, but some tremendous females in as well. Bred well across the board. Neither your confetti. Joe Tex, Clonog Joe Tex. We shared Retric at 6,000 at Lanark. Okay. He's, his power in females was phenomenal. And then you just move on. You got through to. Some of the other ones, Strathbogie, Smoky Blue, bred well, and we bought Stifler on the same day. I just try to remember all these tips that come up soon. Bred, not Yardsman is probably one of the most consistent tips I think we ever have bred. Okay. He came out of Lanark at 16,000. We shared them with Keith Jimison, uh, Wally Fleming, at, and uh, Nielsen the Brackenridge. We shared them. But he, think he was still getting used last year. I flushed. I gave my last year to him. And for a five, six year old tip, he's still looking, he's still looking tremendous till he passed away this year. Right. He's one of the most consistent tips left. A right, good stretch, big, long tips. It's one of the best tips. And um, Chumba Wumba be the other one that I suppose would have made a mark with you? Chumba Wumba's females are tremendous. Mm. Just if you're flashing them, it's unreal. And he's Proctus. Which has done well and left. They're great. Is he Proctor? Maybe left Donald McPherson more money as is right enough. But... And he's Proctor's, isn't he? He's Proctor's Pro- chumba one, but he came out of, he was the 1st of April born, and he came out of Carlisle at 15,000. Really, we land with these massive lugs, and we shared them with Donald McPherson mm-hmm. and Stuart Bartley, Hairstein. Mm-hmm. And I, he bred his phenomenal, good stretch of lambs with all lugs. You still using him? Breedy. Yes, he's still going to boot. I didn't use him this year because all my females are practically chumbawambas. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, Dave, following on from the Texas, of course, and this is an all-round livestock podcast, and you're an all-round livestock character, of course. You would have to be in cattle as well. And Gangar, as we said, would uh, would be in the dairy cows. And I think they still do run dairy cows, don't they, your brother at, at Gangar? Yeah, they're now known as Nathanville. He's under his Nathanville prefix. For the Holstein cows, mm-hmm. those Holstein Frisians is on And is he running those pure and pedigree? Yes, I pedigree now malts and robots. Okay. Two robots in there. That's some some job that, and the robots is a hell of an investment to get into there, but a robot to save a man or save two men, I suppose it's a, this day and age, that's the, way, uh, that's the way it goes. They don't seem any less busy anyway when you speak to these dairy boys with their robots. <laughs> Ever seen a farmer that isn't busy? Are you busy, Dave? 
Nah, just loving life. And I, uh, you mentioned briefly, I think, or I certainly mentioned, I remember being with you at the Highland Show going back 15 years or so, and you had blonde cattle there, and that's probably when you were still at Gangai yourself, weren't you? And uh, you were chasing a few blondes at that time as well, uh, Dave, from I remember. Are you still doing that? Chased a few for a while, and then I found a brunette. That was a problem, Andy. <laughs> that's not a problem. She's, uh, she speaks highly of you. You behave. <laughs> <laughs> I know. We moved. To I moved into Lee Meadow in 2010, huh. and basically Meadow was a hill farm just over next to Hill Farm, a kind of rougher grazing farm, and there was no fences on it at all. There was only an old buyer. There was still mountain cows in it. So we moved in, and when we came in, with Dad, we bought basically all that he had a lot of cows, suckling calves. We bought them. There were cemented cross calves. We sold the bullocks, and they paid for everything basically. Hmm. And then we bought just two or three sales around about and bought cows and we brought the blondes over and we changed the blonde prefix to Clarks for the Texels. And then in 2000 and 2018, we went into shorthorns. Just go back to the blondes before we go on to the shorthorns there. You you had some damn good blondes from what I can remember. I mean, do you still have a few blondes? About? What, do you, what do you make of the blonde breed just now? I still think they had a very good place. It was just, I'd maybe see that it just kind of wore out. People were maybe moving off them. There were some people say their temperament was wild. I think they just didn't suit the Lanarkshire area to sell your blondes. You were more having to go to the Carlisle because a lot of these boys loved the blonde cows and we still have a few pure, no pure, but cross blonde cows. And a lot of them were building them with the, the Belgian blue for the good shapey calves. Mm-hmm. And they were very milky. I think they are tremendously milky, but I think they just maybe ran their time and maybe some of the, the people didn't use as good a bull through the breed, and the breed kind of maybe was its own worst enemy. I live in, in that country, as you know, down in France here. Just I'm right in Aquitaine, and there's blondes all around us, blonde cattle, should I say. And, uh, yeah, you're right, some of them are... Are leggy and maybe not 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 with width about about some of them, but uh, so you you went away from the blondes and uh, and you started in the short on saw the writing on the wall the short on breed is wanted 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 and uh, you went in and you're under the prefix of Lee Burn short ons is that right? Yes, we went into Lee Burn. We went we went to a James Blueford Honey at Tofts mm-hmm. and we bought three heifers there and we come home bought them myself me and my wife. And then we went back down and we bought another five cows and another three heifers. From Tufts? From Tufts. And that is, is basically where James, we had the start. James will be sending you a Christmas card then. It's about the first one he sent me. <laughs> so, so that's how we went to Tufts and basically we sold the first bull. We sold a few bulls at home privately. Uh, we sold the first bull there at 15 month old calf in February. And it was three grand. Uh-huh. Good. So delighted. But what got me into short horns was we were needing we were in a built calf heifers and we had too many problems with the limousine. No disrespect to them. Uh-huh. The fine bone and the muscles come on and we weren't getting on that well with the calves. So we bought a short horn bull that came from Alistair Morton at Stobelee. And at the time we had a lot of celiac heifers that we were buying for we bought celiac heifers for the same man up at Broughton for Oh, four five year mm-hmm. and we're crossing them with the shorthorn and they were coming tremendous cows and that's when we decided to get into the shorthorns what number of cross cows are you running there uh, day there is 
60 cross cows and just over the 20 pure cows. Okay. And the pure cows taken, taken over, or is that you stuck at 20? No, I'm, my full intention is possibly take the whole herd to pure short horns. Okay. That's we it. run a Charlie Bull for any of the cows that have got sore feet or cows that are problem at cabin time, which to be fair, the short horns haven't got an issue. But once you get to a certain age, the cows will go to the Charlie Bull. We sell a lot of heifers, the short horn heifers with high health. Mm-hmm. So we're getting good money for our heifer calves at a year old mm-hmm. for these saps or people want a good health status. So why change off them? And it goes to the Charlie, we know automatically that they're, they're going straight to the store line. Yep. Yeah, we've done a podcast on the shorthorns and, and there's there's a diversification within the shorthorn breed. There's something for everybody within amongst the shorthorns and that's probably why they've grown from, you know, to gone from strength to strength where they are and the shorthorn numbers are still rising. But are you still seeing a demand for crossing bulls in the shorthorn breed, do you think? I think there is, yeah. When you go up to that stable, there's a lot of people looking for bulls mm-hmm. and it gives you a good buzz that they're, they're wanting. I think the country's changing a wee bit onto this the native cow to give this fleshing cow and then we're putting them back to the Charlie Bull. There's plenty of fleshing that you can calve a bus out these shorthorn cows and the sillers and this big Charlie calf grows on a nice orange colour. Sure. And it is selling well. And there's obviously a trade for, for the shorthorns in the in the native breed now from you know, Morrison's and these others with their contracts. Uh, people are leaning more and more towards the native beef, aren't they? Yes. And their temperament, I think their temperament is tremendous, and they're very milky. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's, it's my opinion. I love them. I think they're really great cows. They're, they're so easy, so cooperative, and, and you get a twist at Rascal, but that's not really... They're more cheeky, acquisitive animals. And you've got a bull for sale in, in a sale coming up just recently, I think you said, so uh, good luck with that one. And Yeah, thank you. Uh, and uh, one of your other brothers breeds Charolais, so that'll be the one that doesn't do the Holsteins or the, or the short tones. Which one's that? Andrew, Andrew at Black Hill, mm-hmm. runs a Teagum Charlies. Mm-hmm. I think he's got about 10 or a dozen cows. Yeah. And he seems to have his top bull was 9,000 a few years ago. He got 9,000 for a bull. So that's him, him supplying you with a bull as well. That's kind of handy off your brother. Yeah, well, we did one for a while there, but he didn't have any bulls, so they reluctantly go and buy one. <laughs> oh, well. He buys he buys quite a lot of my shorthorn heifers. Good. I'm not doing Andrew. Andrew buys them, so it's quite handy. I'm in the you mentioned earlier on, of course, uh, the shearing, and you've been, you've grown up shearing sheep, and are you still shearing these days, Dave? Well, I still can fling a bit of handpiece round about the sheep one or two. I've got to the kind of stage in life that I'm, I was never really that good at it, at competitions, but I'm, I'm certainly better at talking at it. <laughs> well, you'll have a few, a few pals about you there that you'll have gone, you did do some shearing competitions, didn't you? I've seen, and, uh, uh, I'm right in thinking that you talk about it, as you said now, because don't you commentate on the, on the shearing at the, the, at the shows? I've done the Highland show since I was 26. Right. And this is me now 40. I'm a 40 year. Right. So I've done it since I was too old for young farmers back in the day. And I've done I've done the World Champs in Wrexham in Southern Ireland. I got asked over to do the World Champs here. This is t- t- commentating, yeah? Not sharing. Yeah, commentating. And worked with, with a boy called Hugh Condro and got me in and I loved it. I learned a lot of a big chap in New Zealand called Norm Haraway. And he learned me a lot. And it made totally different, like commentating on the, the wool handling, the blade shearing, which isn't exciting. I'm not going to say it is exciting, but for people watching it and you actually get into a rhythm of just 
poking away and filling people in the information of what's actually happening. And that gave me a big boost doing the worlds, learning off the two lads. And then I was asked out oh, four years ago to the ones in Invercargill. Right, nice. But I couldn't go because it was a uh, lambing time, textiles. Mm. So, and now we've got the world champs next year at the Royal Highland. Is there all, uh, next year, not this year? Yeah, okay. But you, you, no, that's you missed a trip to, to Invercargill, a fantastic place, and obviously a great deal. It's a shearing mecca, isn't it, down there in, in southern New Zealand? But, uh, have you ever been down there? Yeah, I shore down in Winton mm-hmm. for, a few, for a few weeks. Okay. Shore down in Winton, and that was good. I loved, I loved New Zealand. I actually liked the north better. Mm-hmm. I walked up in a place called uh, Pukakoe, just south of north and down the Waikato River, and it was great. You're just, it was different shearing. It was harder. To understand that you're pulling this sheep out with bloody wool everywhere. But you worked away steady, you just, being a young lad, you were just, you played hard and some days you didn't shear that well and other days you showed a lot better. Somehow, I've never imagined you being steady at anything. (laughs) I remember one year being, we were shearing, there was me, John McGregor, Fallon Falls and John Sars of Greenbank and we were shearing at we're down, working at field, down at Fielding at a place called Hunterville mm-hmm. and we had one big <laughs> night the night before and we thought we were only shearing and the boss phoned us, Alistair Cummings, I think this is at the time, said, right, you Scotty boys, he's on crutching duty tomorrow, he's there tomorrow and the next day you've got 4,000 to do or something. So we right, no bother, we'll go and we'll just crutch and we're going hard. So... I think the girl's name was Jess at the time, the world Ross. She says, right, I'll drive you tomorrow. She's picking these up. So, well, we had a big night to drink because we stayed in the pub, the station in at Hunterville, and we had a big night. And the next morning we stood up. as a boy, Ian Anderson, another Scots boy. He was he left. He fell asleep in the bar, actually, and we left for work at 5 o'clock in the morning. Still gutter-ish out of head. John, John and Banks had went to bed a wee bit early, but oh, no. They decided he wasn't going to his bed, and Jess came with us, and I actually, she crutched the lambs, and I crutched the use <laughs> in the pens. And when she was crutching the lambs, I fell asleep in the corner. <laughs> and we do, in New Zealand, you do two-hour runs. Uh-huh. You do for two, for seven till nine, then you stop for half an hour. So half nine to half eleven, then you stop for an hour and a half for your lunch. And we come back, and John and that were hitting 600 odds before the last run. <laughs> and I was still sitting at 280. <laughs> you pay- and I have honestly... <laughs> you paid, up, paid by the head, of course. Yes, you get paid. We were getting, was it 60 cents, I think, or something at the time. And I have honestly never went as hard in my entire life. <laughs> and the end of the day, they were both hitting 800. I was just over the 600 mark, and... I think they both said, if you'd went as hard as that all day, we would have finished these sheep ages ago. <laughs> Just about paid for your drink bill the night before, by the sound of it. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, well, good days. And what do you make of, of New Zealand? I mean, they, the, the sheep in New Zealand, it's a different way of life, isn't it? I mean, they wouldn't understand you boys flushing texels and, 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 and lambing all the sheep. It's, it's easy care, isn't it? It's a different, different way of life, different world. Totally different world, and we sent and seen around quite a few Texel flocks, and they're big, they're as long as trains, and they're totally different sheep. 
No, these heads, big, longer face, longs are easy lambing, mm. but they're massive, absolutely massive. Yeah. But the the they're out there. They've kind of changed a lot with the times in New Zealand now. When you see a lot of them, they've they're used to a massive thing. Shearing, shearing wool was a big, massive, massive pay thing. But you see now, a lot of them are moving off the wool. Yes. They're making more money for meat sheep now. There is belt techs out there now in New Zealand. You see two or three folk, but the techs are certainly getting better, and the Suffolk's as well. They were tremendous sheep, mm-hmm. big stretchy sheep. But it's a total different way of life. Yeah, we were at one farm down in the south, and it was King Country, and there was a sheep. It was no well. The sheep was hanging back. I don't know whether what was wrong where you just seen she was hanging back, whether it was Yaxiti out there at the time and nobody knew what it was or nobody wanted to admit it what it was. And the farmer picked the rifle up. It was sitting strapped across the sunroof and inside the car, pulled out his gun and shot a sheep out of MOBA 250 years. <laughs> and was it, one of us said to him, eh, what happened if you missed her? He says, I've got plenty of bullets in the glove compartment, son. <laughs> And that's the way you looked at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Different way, different life, different life, and different way. And and you said about the Suffolk's. Of course, some of those stuff, New Zealand Suffolk's have found their way back into the UK, maybe because some of the Suffolk's in the UK had become a little bit too hard and 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 uh, and too difficult to farm. And it's a totally different type of sheep with the same name, isn't it? Yeah, they're, they're actually tremendous sheep. I know quite a lot of boys are using them. They've got that wee bit finer bone and stretchy sheep. And moving on to yourself, as you said, now you're approaching forty. You got a you got a family there about you die some young young lambs off the old block. Yeah, I've got a daughter who's four next month, and I have a wee boy that's just turned two. There, he's a he's a rabbi bum's child. Okay, James, he's named after his grandpa. Okay. He's James William of his other grandpa, and Katie is Katie Helen Clark. Okay. And they totally love. Pet lambs, and it's just it's a nightmare, Andy, because any wee pet lamb is wee things the size of out of hogs that are the size of a pint glass, and she seems to want to cuddle them for a while under a heat lamp, which isn't just ideal. Uh, but you'll get them keen to go into the farm yourself. Yes, they're, they're, you can't actually keep them inside. They love it. They're outside. Katie totally loves sheep. Sheep. She loves sheep all the time. She could play in the sheep shed for ages and just sheep. James, tractor and cows. Okay. He runs about all day playing my cow or a tractor in the house, which I don't mind the cow. I'm not so keen on a tractor right enough because they just sound expensive and can break down. <laughs> You're right about tractors on that. It sounds expensive <laughs> and getting more so. And everything's getting more so at the moment, isn't it, Diane? The job's getting harder. How do you see the next next couple of years? I mean, the job's input costs are going through the roof just now, aren't they? It's a little bit worrying. I think it is very worrying. What price, this price of fertiliser, and then everybody keeps saying it's dropped here again. Is that because they weren't selling any or they're just was too greedy and they are feeding? We have ordered, we just ordered a bulk load of feeding the other day and filled both bins just so we don't need to buy any calf creep feeding all summer till the back end. Mm-hmm. We don't creep much of our calves to be honest, only creep the pure calves, the bull calves, not till later on in July. None of the rest of the calves, we keep all our calves through the spring to keep them right through. So hopefully, we don't need that much feeding. <laughs> No, you're right. I think the farmers just shut up shop, did they not? The price of it just now, and of course, uh, and uh, and of course, <laughs> we, we're, this podcast, of course, is sponsored by Harbro, and uh, I think you're a, you're a user of some of their product uh, today. 
Yes, I am using Harbro's baby lamb pellets for my Texel tip lamps. Embrose. Doing well on them, of course. Yes, I know. I'm pleasing them. Excellent. I'm pleasing them, so no, they're doing very well at the moment, so I'll tell you better in August. <laughs> right. Good enough, and I'm going to open the floor up to you, Di. You got any dirt? You're going to dig on a few of your fellow pals there that are going to bring it back and shoot you with it. I think one of the best ever times I've ever had was at the Royal Welsh. Now, I must have been, I think I represented Scotland in the Worthington Couple of Women. So I must have been 22, so 20 years ago, maybe. 19 years ago, 19, 20 years ago. And I remember, look, Beachy was down, Big Junk, Ian Lamy, Jimmy Dunn, Ur Allen, Bob Curry, George Golden. We were all up. At the, you look, I think Rob Patterson was there as well. We're all up at the, up in the Stocksman back because Beachy was always showing. Mm-hmm. And we'd, it just had a, his trailer went on and out the back of it. And they brought out this five gallon bottle of vodka. <laughs> and we sat round about, this is about 10 o'clock in the morning. And we sat round and we started and we said, ah, I think we drink half of that. We'll be us done for the day, boys. <laughs> well, do you know, I think we finished it, we finished it three times. <laughs> And there was actually an old couple sat in their car eating their sandwich about 10 o'clock and they actually were still sitting there at 3 o'clock in the afternoon when we left. <laughs> because look, I actually sure beachy. We actually done a impression of shearing them and uh, it was just unbelievable. <laughs> Bob Curry doing expressions and it was one of the best days of my life. <laughs> like, we still talk about the year of the, the Welsh show and none of us have been back since because we're scared it's never going to be Trump. <laughs> Great. And we walked out to the bar, and Doogie Drysdale says, "Who are you boys been out? They have been looking for you." <laughs> and we were absolute reek at rugby tackling each other and falling asleep. <laughs> they were real well. She's great crack, isn't it? And of course, Beachy used to come down. Originally, he came down with eight sheep, him and Jack Dunlop, and then show sheep for my old man. I think they won the Royal Welsh. He, my old man, yeah. was getting a bit slower on his knees, and he'd send the two boys out as jockeys and. Uh, they, they 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 always came down and gave it a good crack and uh, I'm going back there this year for the first time in in 20 years I'm taking sheep there this year so uh, yeah looking forward to it great show it's an amazing show hmm. a lot of other shows can learn a lot from them <laughs> yeah and you'll be showing yourself at the Highland this year maybe taking the, taking the short ones on the Texels we have got we're showing Texels at the Highland where uh, we've got two gammas and two ewe lambs going hmm. it's I would like to have been shown shorthorns, but they're actually on a waiting list already at the shorthorns. Okay. Uh, we're actually taking two shorthorn heifers to the Yorkshire. That's the World Congress yes, show at the Yorkshire. It's going to be a big show of shorthorns at the Yorkshire this year. Yes. So we're on the waiting list to hat as well, but we did get dealt where there was only 18 in the waiting list and there was plenty of spaces. Mm-hmm. So we needed to wait till it was closed. So, no, back to the Highland. I've, I would like to take them and I can help Alan Jackson a wee bit. And the cattle, if I was the show mine, I said I would help him out or help him in the short horns classes. But at Highland, the time you get through with the sheep on the Wednesday, we show the short horns on the Thursday, and then you're helping the cattle on Thursday, and then Friday we show Texels in the morning, and then I commentate from the Friday afternoon, Saturday, Sunday. So it's basically a very long week. At least with, with sheep, you can, I can check them in the morning, the shearers next to the Texels, you can feed them and come back over and Keep an eye on them, but the cattle, it's a bit more work with the parade and everything else. So well, we'll just go to the Yorkshire. Well, I, 
I'm there at the Highland commentating again this year. It's been designated with it, given that job back again. Um, cattle and sheep, I think, this time. I'm not quite sure how it's going to go. So maybe we'll we'll commentate at each other. And uh, just like we're talking at each other just now, Di, it'd be nice to get together and uh, chat about some other uh, other people's bullshit for a change. Well, maybe we can give a bit more abuse to people then when you see somebody you recognise. I think you're being very reserved about giving abuse to people because I think you might feel it coming back to you, to be fair. I think one of the best abuse I've ever given or been part of, maybe, was at the Highland Show the year Graham Burke judged the Beltex. And Graham came into the shearing tent, I think it was a Saturday, and my fellow commentator, extremely cheeky, Finlay Smith. And Graham came in and we actually stopped what we're doing and said, ladies and gentlemen, we have a celebrity in here. (laughs) And you can see people looking around. And Graham was standing up the back with a nice blazer on and the hair all done, standing in the wife, smug as could be. And we're just going to... And who's the celebrity we have? Of? We have the Beltex judge in today. And you could honestly see Graham's face going from a lovely pinkish colour to complete the utter beetroot. <laughs> and anyway, I think we slagged him for a good five minutes. And you can see Graham trying to crawl into his jacket. <laughs> and he has told me that revenge is a dish better served cold. I think you might be getting that one coming back to you sometime fairly soon. <laughs> but it was absolutely brilliant. It's some of the best abuse I've ever seen. <laughs> Uh, abuse the best form former crack man hey we're not giving each other enough abuse tonight but uh, it's been absolutely splendid to have you on Diane as I said one of the great characters in amongst the breed and I know you're busy about the still lambing and what have you but we'll catch up at the island and have a dram and uh, uh, those guys that don't know you look out for look out for your day you'll be uh, you'll be in amongst the Texels and and everywhere else and everybody make their way across to the to the shearing stand to, to hear you handing it out Hear me talking pish. If I could find that school teacher that told me my talking would get me nowhere. <laughs> Little did she know the dizzy heights you'd get to in this year in ten. <laughs> yes, I, I know exactly. Uh-huh. Exactly. Uh, years ago, there was a back again as the Texel sale, and Alan Alson was down staying at Carlinside. And you know the sessions you still back at Carlinside. One day, like young Jim Curry was absolutely steaming, and he fell asleep at the the kitchen table. So that so Alison and that grabbed a pair of big Jim Curry's wife runs and stuck them on on Curry, <laughs> and, and then he's he's come in in the morning for his milking and couldn't find his pants and they were on Curry lines <laughs> in the middle of the kitchen player. And he said, <laughs> "Brilliant, <laughs> brilliant! Oh, big Jim was a great character. Sorely missed." Yeah, one of the characters in the breeds many breeds between blondes and Texels. Certainly so. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you, Di Clark. Now, as I said, the, the, the characters come in all shapes and sizes, and you're all shapes and sizes yourself. And um, <laughs> we've really enjoyed having you having your company on the Top Lines and Tales podcast and uh, look forward to catching up with you maybe at the Highland Show. And uh, thanks for your time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Top Lines and Tales podcast. And we are on this podcast very grateful to the sponsorship that we've received from Harborough, who of course are suppliers and manufacturers of quality livestock nutrition, but also of nutritional advice. And uh, in these days of spiraling input costs and uh, uncertainty within the industry, why not get in touch with Harborough and see how they can help you with all your dietary and input requirements. 
You can find them on uh, their website or on Facebook. And whilst on the subject of Facebook, of course, you can look out the Top Lines and Tales Facebook page where you'll find photographs and other information to back up this episode and other episodes. <laughs>